Welcome back to Out of the Question. This week's guest is one of the enduring stars of Australian comedy. He's good-hearted, infinitely likeable, smart and funny. I speak, of course, of the great Peter Hellier. You guys have got FOMO, I can tell. You've got a fear of missing out, yeah? I don't have FOMO. I've been married for 15 years now. I don't have FOMO. My wife doesn't have FOMO. We have the opposite. We have phobia. We have the fear of being invited. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever get a wedding invitation and really wish it was a gas bill? You know, that's... <laughs> that's where we're at. I'm going to detail Peter's beginnings in comedy as the podcast unfolds, but at the moment I'll take it for granted that we all know Peter best for his on-air partnership with Rove McManus, as well as his work on Skit House, Before the Game, co-hosting The Project, and his superstar alter ego, the final pick in the 2004 AFL Draft, Brian Strawn. There are also his successful TV shows, It's a Date and How to Stay Married, and then there's his stand-up, which is consistently funny and also forms a heartfelt connection with the audience. Now, don't forget to check out Peter's movie podcast, You Ain't Seen Nothing Yet, where he talks to movie lovers about classic and beloved movies they haven't quite got round to seeing. Until now, I started off my chat with Peter by asking him how his fellow workers would describe him. Five foot eleven, I think, um, would be the answer <laughs> to that. Uh, unhelpful, um, possibly. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, I'm in meetings and I, you know, I um, I get over it quickly. But if I was to be generous to them, because they are lovely people, and 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 even, you know, um, upon reflection to myself, I think they would see me as somebody who's creative or. Um, He's an ideas person, I think, would actually be uh, something they, they have recognised and I bring a lot of those ideas, you know, to the project and, mm-hmm. and also they see that reflected in my stand-up and and other projects that I've worked on and, and, and gotten up, whether it be, you know, a TV show or, or a podcast or, you know, my, my big fear is that I have, I won't get to all the ideas. I'm not, you know, I'm not sure if you're the same way because, you you know, you've created a lot of, a lot of things and um i'm not sure if, if you're like geez you know i know there are some characters in my head that I'll, i may never actually realize or there mm-hmm. is an idea that, that probably won't happen and, and that kind of and uh that that gives me a sense of dread oh yeah it's scary isn't it that you what you on your deathbed you'll probably have a few projects just on the platform ready to go yeah i know i i actually once wrote uh, all these ideas that I had and I put them in an envelope and I sealed them and I put them in my drawer. I'm not even sure if they're still there. And I, it was basically, if I, if I was to die, like just get this to my creative friends and just tell them to get some of these projects done. And they, and, and like, if, if, if you just cut my family for like 10%, they, they'll, they'll be, they'll be somewhat taken care of because these ideas are going to be gold, baby. That's awesome. It's like, have you ever read about those people who go around who are paid to go and like, you know, get rid of the porn from people's houses or, or anything that's incriminating and everything. Yours is the opposite. <laughs> Yours, you need to actually, you actually go, okay, you need to make this. You, yeah. you actually, instead of burning it, you need to make it. Imagine that, that episode of Storage Wars. They just, they, 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 they burst in <laughs> and there's this envelopes of crappy or okay ideas that then they have to make. <laughs> It's, actually, it. it's costing them money. <laughs> I fucking love it. You know, I, I have, I literally have an envelope that, I, that is open on my bedside table, which is full 
of ideas and some of them are just lines and some of them and some of them are you know not necessarily most of them are jokes but there was one time and I, I think it must do the brain just switching off and like it's kind of not in its full swing you know it, it's it's kind of rebloating it's refreshing it and and I honestly thought I wrote it down that I thought I'd basically solved climate change uh, uh, based on the idea that if we if we turn our pillows over, it's like three degrees cooler. And if we all organise for everybody to do it at exactly the same time on like Earth Day, that we could actually reverse climate change. <laughs> and, oh, I and, love it. And and you know when I read it in the morning, I'm like, well, it's it's kind of funny, and it might be a joke. But I think in the in the night time at three a.m. and it's always three a.m. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually thought I could be onto something here. <laughs> Peter honed his comedy on the Channel 31 show Under Melbourne Tonight, hosted by Stephen Hall and Vincent Hedger, as well as performing at venues all around Melbourne in the mid-1990s. But it wasn't until seeing the work of another comedian that he thought he might actually have a future in stand-up. When I started out, before I, I did, for two years or so, I just would write in a notebook all the jokes I had and, and, and just try to develop material. And, and you know, we had less access to, to comedy. We had to wait for somebody to walk on stage on, you know... Um, on the big gig, you know, to watch uh, somebody do stand-up comedy, you know, and then I was, you know, occasionally go see some comedy, but it's it's pretty YouTube, so you didn't have the access. But I remember watching um, Jim Owen do a gig, and he did, and I forget what the gag was, but he basically did a gag that was I had written down in my notebook, almost word for word. And part of me was, at first I was a bit, oh, no. And then I was, like, really excited because, like, Jim Owen was, you know, I mean, he's still one of the biggest comedians, uh, you know, in in Australia and around the world. And, and, uh, And I thought... Then, you know, if, if I'm writing, I might be cl- close enough to the right path if I'm writing yes. jokes that Jim Owen's doing. Like, this this makes yes. sense to me now. And uh, it actually gave me a, a confidence. After Under Melbourne Tonight, Peter moved on to another weekly Channel 31 variety show called The Loft Live, hosted by Rove McManus. And when Rove was asked to put together tonight's shows, first on Channel 9 and then on Channel 10, Peter went with him as his sidekick, the two creating a hugely successful and long-lasting comedy partnership. Moving on to question to what's the most unhelpful feedback Pete's received? I've done a lot of interviews over the years. Just through, you know, at first it was usually in groups with um, with Rove and, and Corinne Graham. We did a radio show together uh, called Saturday Morning Rove, uh, and I'd, sometimes sometimes I'd chip in on the TV interviews with with um, from the couch on, on Rove Live, and then but then I started doing my own interviews on you know, the project, and you know I've had I pinch myself with some of the interviews I've got to do from LeBron James and Francis Ford Coppola and, and um, wow. you know, Mark Hamill, you know, like it's just, um, and I mean, some people often will say, don't ask a question you don't know the answer to. And I've always found it a weird concept because I, I when I'm interviewing, I, I, I'm interviewing, I'm asking questions because I'm curious, not because I know the answers. Now, I think I know where it comes from as far as perhaps a TV point of view of like, and I do remember Rove once, Asking Sting about his parents, um, and 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 Sting said my parents are dead, or his mother was dead, or something, and, and um, so, so that was that's so that's one thing I always do. I often ask if I'm if I'm going to go to the parents area, and even if I'm not, I often ask, can you just check? I'll ask the producer, can you just check if their parents, what's the status of their parents? Or so, okay, you know, yeah. if I say something like, yeah, parents must be so proud. Um, and also, again, I know where this comes from, but and you would have heard it before the whole you know, write what you know, I think. And I have followed that to an extent, but I, I, and I think it's, it's, it's good advice to a degree, but I think at some point you have to break away mm. 
from writing about what you know. I think it's a good starting point. And I think maybe I, I took it as too literal for too long. And I'm at a stage now, I think, where I'm looking at the next, my next bunch of projects will hopefully not live in the same space as the stuff I've, I've done previously. Um, That's fantastic, and I, yeah. Yeah, because I, I think it helps you evolve yourself as a person and to kind of, and to learn more things and, and, and to mm. put yourselves in, in, in a different headspace. It's true. I think that's really great advice. It's a great starting point to write what you know. But, you know, it always comes back to Shakespeare never went to Italy and he, he, he set so many of his plays there. So we're on this earth to learn and satisfy curiosity. And, and I think, Adam, as you, as, as you get older, you kind of you just become more curious about, mm. you know, wanting to know uh, about the world and also yourself. I mean, I, I think I just was on almost autopilot for, you know, 35 years. You know, I was just like, okay, whatever happens to me, I'm not really influencing and I have no real agency in my own story. I'm just kind of, you know, living life and, and things will happen and I'll just react to them. And then you kind of go, no, I can I can actually take charge to a degree and I can, I, you know, and, and I can investigate and and you scratch my curiosity a bit more. I, there, there's part of me, if I, you know, when I get critical of myself, it's like, you know, I ask myself, have you been curious enough over the years? You know, have you, have you, you know, when you do the, the, the quiz with, you know, my, you know, with Bridge, my wife on Saturday mornings, you, you know, I, I've started saying to her, it's not just about getting the answers right. It's actually about learning a couple of things you know, <laughs> uh, along the way, you know, and, um, and it'd be good to have one or two things that you can take away uh, mm. from the quiz. Um, so, yeah. Well, you sit next to one of the most curious people on the planet in Waleed. So it's like, you know, it's, I mean, that, that guy, I just go, okay, so you, you know as much, if not more about sport than me, which is pretty, that's pretty good. Um, that, 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 that was a blow when I realized when we were getting to know each other that how much you actually knew about sport and, and, and footy. It's like, okay, I thought I would have had that one over you. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and there's nothing else. If I can't get sport, then uh, we're, we're done here. Uh, you're just <laughs> a way more well-rounded person. Um, <laughs> Pete, what is the failure you most cherish? Yeah, this is... Um, I, I have kind of funneled this through mainly my career. I'm not sure that was kind of exactly what I was supposed to do, but I kind of, you know, I, I couldn't really think of a, a, a failure that in, in my, you know, non-career life that, that I kind of hold dear or, or um, I did, I did a show. I've been, I've been very blessed in my career to have a lot of projects that have worked and you know how hard it is to one, get things up and, and then to actually find an audience Um you know, you've done it. You know, really well, uh, extra, extraordinarily successful, and 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 I've been lucky to sometimes jump on projects, like the projects, uh, and, and rove live, but also kind of you know create some stuff, stuff like today and how to stay married and, and a movie and um uh but there's been some you know things along the way. There's you know we did a show speaking about football called the bounce, um which was I'd done you know in fact I kind of was the creator of before the game, you know, and um, I, oh, mate, I love that show. I, and we were yeah. so proud of it. And, and, and yeah. we loved it so much. And, and it was the most fun, probably the most fun I've had ever working on a show. Cause it was just mates watching footy on a Saturday afternoon and then going on TV to talk about it. And um, it you was, just, tell. you could tell. It just yeah. It was true. Oh, thanks man. And, and, um, and it all came because I was watching the deal and Skinner do their thing. Um, and I mm. thought it could there be a version Australian version like that, and um, 
and the show ended up going for 12 years. I left after about five or six years because I was doing, I was just doing too much. I was robed had gone from Tuesday to Sundays and then before the game was Saturdays and, and I was doing uh, breakfast radio at the time uh, in Sydney. And so doing half the week in Melbourne, half the week in Sydney, my, you know, we had uh, one child pregnant with the second. It was oh just, my God. And, a, and a sketch show as well doing skit house. So it was just, Oh, that's right. It was too much. So I, I kind of, I, I, made the, 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 the decision to leave and and um it was really it was hard but it was also easy because i knew it was the right thing i knew the, I, I was never going to regret spending more time with my family or more time with my kids and and um so that was good but, but then channel seven came knocking with the show and they said you, you know do you want to start your own footy show and and, and um i was like okay yeah this is a few years after and i thought yeah i'll well, be happy to get back in the game now and and um the idea of I thought, Geez, if, if i can if i can kind of invent one not just one AFL footy show, but a second one that works and it's a bit different. That would be, you know, mm. that would be great. And it like we, we were on air for like five weeks. We had a good first two weeks, and then the um, the asses fell out of it for some reason. I think actually it was MasterChef started um, in week three, and then we just got oh, steamrolled. Wow. And by it's a, it was one of my more ruthless TV experiences I've had because I said we had a pretty good first two weeks. I remember driving around after the first episode and. You know, listen to the SEN, the Sports Radio Network in Melbourne, and they were kind of saying, "Yeah, we, there's a hit on its hand. The footy show's got a, a you know a worthy challenger," and and um and we all felt pretty good. And then and after the second episode, we felt pretty good. And then and then yeah, it was uh, oh, all gone man. after that. And and but but I cherish it because I got to spend like you know five, six, seven weeks with Lee Matthews. You know, like Trust. like in a makeup chair, getting wow. made up. You know, and he's very generous. You know, he would allow me to ask all the questions I wanted. My grandfather was a Hawthorne supporter, so he, he, I knew how much Lee Matthews meant to him. He was, he was the premiership coach of Collingwood, by, you know, my team. So, you know, he, Lee Matthews has had a huge presence in our in our house and our family. So, to spend to spend that time with with Lee and, and with uh, yeah Matt Richardson, who's you know a, a superstar of a bloke, and and people like you know they have Dave Lawson. You know, yes. on and that you know it was one of you know Dave's earlier you know kind of uh, you know um, he, he, he wasn't it wasn't his first gig but you know it was it was great and Peter Rosorm was on it and to hang with him it's always yes. it's always a joy and I think from the outside Adam you know people will look at you know whether the show lasted and, and obviously there's merit in that I don't, I'm not I'm not arguing they shouldn't be doing that but I think they sometimes try to impose a sense of failure onto you. And that you should, you know, living shame uh, oh, uh, for it. But it's like, no, but I got to spend two months with Lee Matthews, you yeah. know. Um, and I remember being on the set of the movie I did. And, and The movie Pete did was the romantic comedy I Love You Too, starring Brendan Carl and Yvonne Strahovski. Pete wrote it and played a supporting role. It also starred another actor who kicked on in a massive way. And, and you know, to, to name drop it, Peter Dinklage was, you know, on the, in yes. that movie. The next project he goes on to do is, is Game of Thrones, and then. But I remember him, him saying to me, "You know, you need to just enjoy." I, I think I might have been slightly stressed or distracted that on one day, and he said, "You need to enjoy these moments, the, the making of it, because if your uh, contentment is wrapped in a, a box office result or yeah, critical reviews, then you'll never you'll never enjoy this at all." Um, it was such great advice just to be in the moment, really, and, and we had such a great experience on that movie with Brendan Cowell and Yvonne Strahovski and yes you know it was just it was such a great experience so 
Um, Dana Reed's gone on. She's kicked Dana on. Reed is, is, is yeah. absolutely kicked on. She directed that. And um, uh, I'm so glad because I I'm, I think people are realizing now she did direct I Love You Too because I've always, because, you know, I, I wrote it uh, and I was in it, people would often, I'll get introduced to it as the writer, producer, actor, director, and I Love You Too. And I'll always go, no, no, I didn't, I didn't direct it. Dana Reed now. Now Dana's you know, massive. And, That's and, right, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like when I used to get called the, um, people say, you used to look like that fat guy off Twister. Um, <laughs> and, oh, it. and then finally, Philip Seymour Hoffman wins the Oscar and he's like, okay, now you can say I look like Philip Seymour Hoffman. It's, it's, <laughs> it's more palatable. <laughs> Just circling back, Dana Reed's a Melbourne director who directed How's That, Kerry Packer's War and Paper Giants. And then more recently, The Handmaid's Tale, Upload and Space Force. Question four, what word or phrase does Pete most overuse? I... I, did, I listened to a couple of apps before I came on and, and, and um, I was going to change it because I, uh, previous guests use this word, but I thought, no, I'll just be honest with myself. And uh, I'm in Annabelle Crab's camp. I use absolutely uh, a whole bunch. Like I really, to the point where, when we're waiting, because when, uh, when we did the project, the clips that I show, I don't show anyone as far as the, the panel, so Waleed and Carrie or Lisa, none of them see the clips because I want their oh, rea- reactions. Um, so they're seeing it when the audience sees it. Um, and so we, the, the, the control room just plays, usually these grabs that they've recorded of us at the desk in previous rehearsals. So it's, right. you know, <laughs> it's, it's usually somebody saying something inappropriate out of context, you know. <laughs> um but there is, they've, they've come up with a whole montage of basically me saying absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I really wish our brain, there was something where we could just, because I think it's, it just has become my, you know, go-to, my fallback, you know, word that I, when I'm agreeing with something, I'd say, yeah, absolutely. You know, and, I like it. I like yeah, it. It's not, a bad, it's not a bad word. I, I just wish we could hit refresh, you know, and yes. <laughs> have a system update. Every now and then, that you could just change that word to fascinating, you know, or, or something. <laughs> um, do you have a motto, Pete? The one that I would say is that I, I, I is don't make anyone's day harder than, than it needs to be. Is my um, mm. is my general vibe, and 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 um, you know, I don't live with it tattooed on my forehead, and I'm sure there are times when I've <laughs> I've forgotten that. But I, you know, I I want to be somebody who's good to work with. You know, I, I want to be somebody who when people go home at the end of the day, whether it's, you know, producers on the project or, or crew members of, you know, how to stay married, um, that they, that they've had a good day. Like this is, this is just like they're working, they've come to work, you know, and, and this is all, you know, and it's, it's, we, we, we're lucky to work in fun jobs, but it's still, it's still work and people work really hard, but they go home to their families and they've got their own stuff going on that, that you know, we will like probably never know about. And I just feel like, I, you know, I think I, when I did radio early on, you'd hear about those horror stories, and I'm sure you've heard about you know breakfast radio teams. And I just thought, how could you, how could you work like that? How could you exist yeah, like yeah. that? Um, I mean, hopefully it was just in my nature anyway to be, you know, um, to be kinder rather than than um, meaner. But uh, I just the thought of somebody going home from anything I've worked on, you know, feeling, um, you know, really upset or you know would, would trouble me. So. Um. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's, it's, yeah. There's been times, obviously, like when the, it's, it's pressure that that's been 
you know, we had, you know, uh, something on one of the shows where a pretty massive mistake was made, you know, and it, it was going to, you know, um, cost the pro- us. On the project? It wasn't the project. It was actually oh. on, on, on um, uh, uh, one of the scripted shows. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, right. And, you know, it was involving reshoots and, 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 and you know, budget blowout and, and, and you know, I, you know I, we had the weekend to kind of get our heads around it uh, with our other producers and um and it was just it was a, it was a mistake made by a crew member but you know it, that was when what that, that that was really put to the test because you know i was like well and i spoke to our producers and thankfully they're all on the same boat you know because you know like yourself you, you surround yourself with good people so you know we went there on monday uh thankfully it, it we were able to retrieve uh some of the stuff that basically had been erased and um oh, and uh you know we put our arm around you and we said you know we love you and, and you're part of it you know you're part of this family and um and that's nice we'll, we'll work it out you know and i think people ask me sometimes you know when you see you know i'm a producer on, on, on things and you know what what does that mean and sometimes i don't really know myself sometimes it's just like well i get to make some of the creative choices you know and, and casting probably for me is one of those big things it's not i don't you know I'm not the only one making that decision, but it, you know, I, I like to get involved with that. Um, you know, scripts, stuff that involves a script, anything creative you see on screen is what I'm um, usually involved with. But more and more, I'm kind of like, okay, when I'm writing, I know now what the line producer's thinking, so I can think about budget as I'm writing and, and, and all that. But, but one of those moments is like, yeah, that's kind of what, you know, I was a producer in that moment. Um, I, I was able to kind of handle the production side with, with, you know, help and, and guidance mm. from, you know, my fellow producers who are more experienced than I am in that field. Um, but I was able to, I think, get a good result uh, and a human result and, and, and make that person hopefully, you know, you know, uh, one, you know, not, not to make that mistake again, but also just feel like, no, this is mistakes happen. I and mean, we, you know, we all shared stories about how we've all fucked up and, and, um, and hopefully that person felt better at the end of that day. Cause I imagine they had a pretty, pretty horrible weekend the feedback i get from people who work on peter's sets is that they're among the best workplace environments going around people are friendly collaborative and look after each other on how to stay married peter gave a lot of the credit to his on-screen wife lisa mccune who he said helped create a nurturing and happy team lisa is like she's like the, if you just walked onto set and didn't know who was who was who as far as the acting goes you would guess that oh, okay that's that woman over there that blonde woman she the one helping with the crew, she must she must be out of film school right now, and and um you know she's so excited to be here. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. And she's she's helping out. Oh well, she's she, well she's offering people sandwiches. What's she? <laughs> and then and then the cameras rolling. She's like she's like, she's like the lead actress, and you know it's like she's amazing. So I, I think if you get those if you get those choices right, then um yeah it helps. But how do you get it right? I look out for it now, and sometimes you know I interviewed Sandra Bullock recently, and you know she's in a film with you know. And it was her Daniel Radcliffe, and he's, he's famously nice. And and mm. and Channing Tatum was in that, and he, you know, I've interviewed him, and he's got a reputation of being very nice as well. And I, I said, "Do you have a no no dickhead policy?" And she said, "No, well, we call it a no asshole policy." Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, and, but she and she said that they will make numerous calls, um, you know, phone calls, and, uh, and 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 sussing people out. You know, I think it's that's good. I, I, it's really it's, it's really great to hear. Yeah, yeah. Mate, final question. If you could go back five years, what advice would you give yourself? Um, wash your hands. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
for 20 uh, seconds. He's doing it for 20 seconds. Sing happy birthday, Mr. <laughs> President, for 20 seconds. Um, uh, just to be in the moment and and, uh, and and to enjoy it and get that, you know, just get that balance right of, of, of work and, and um, family. And, and um, you know, I, I strive to do that and, and um, I give myself you know, a reasonably hard time about whether I, I, I achieve that or not, both if I'm physically there, but also if I'm there in my own head, you know, when I'm actually physically there, yeah. you know, because I think, I'm not sure if you agree, but I think it's an incredibly selfish thing we do for, for, our, for a living. You know, we, yes. we spend a lot of time not in the room when we're in the room. And, and my, my wife, we've spoken about it a lot because she'll see my, me drift off mid conversation and, and, I've tried to explain. I, I can't control it. It's just, you may say a word that triggers something, um, <laughs> it, you know, it, it, or it might be because I'm bored. You know, like it might, it might be that I'm not completely fascinated in your recent traffic experience. <laughs> um, but, um, but I do it with everyone. It's not. It's not. It's not just my wife. It, it's um, yeah. It's 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 what we live in other worlds sometimes, you know, and, and uh, which is the lovely part, uh, thing about it, but it's also sometimes hard to kind of to combine the real world with the, the made up worlds that we kind of create in our own heads. <laughs> That's right. Mate. We are children, aren't we? Yeah. We really are. Thank you so much for tuning into out of the question. We'd also like to thank all the guests that appear on the show and if you have a minute, please subscribe via iTunes or your podcast app and leave us a rating. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach me on Twitter at Adam Zwa. Until next time, thanks for joining us. <laughs>